Hey, welcome to the Outward Conversation podcast. Today we have Chip McGee with us. Chip is a pastor of Christ Church in Statesville, North Carolina, and he was my pastor for a few years um, when I helped with the youth group there and played on the worship team at the church. And the way that Chip shepherds people has always stood out to me, and uh, that's why I asked him to be on here today. Thanks for joining us, Chip. Thanks for having me, Josh. Enjoyed the podcast, and it's an honor to be on it. Well, thanks, man. Thank you for taking time to listen to it. Take us on a quick journey through your story and how you ended up pastoring at Christchurch. Sure. Um, so I just turned 40 this year, so I'm going to go way back. Let's do it. Uh, um, yeah, so I'm going to go way back, and uh, I was thinking through my childhood, and uh, to kind of to make things brief, my uh, my mom drug me to church, uh, never quite understood the church, um, and uh, I remember saying things that I never should have said to my mom on the way to church because uh, she would make me go in the morning in the mornings. And um, it was a Baptist church and had a pew hopping pastor who was very excited, excited all the time. And I like to tell people just being straight up real is that I think he scared the hell out of me because um, we preached about hell quite a bit. And uh, I remember running down to the altar and saying, I don't want that. Um, and uh, one of the deacons, introducing me to Jesus, the thing I did want. Um, uh, I'd say like genuine, like conversion came actually through baptism. Um, I didn't want to do it. I was embarrassed to go in front of people and do it. Um, but as I went into the water, I realized that love never fails. Um, it's not fear that will sustain you. And, um, love of God washed over me. I heard, I heard God speak, uh, in the waters and say, I set you apart um, that you're mine. So how old were you then? uh, I was in middle school. Um, that's why I was afraid of what people would think about me. For sure. For (laughs) sure. That makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, so I was afraid of what people would think about me. And, um, uh, and then I bawled, uh, when I heard God's voice and of it, um, not fully understanding what it meant, but I tried to walk it out best I could, um, got involved, um, in several like Christian ministries and high school and college, it kind of sustained me from going crazy, really Um, pretty immature in my faith, but, you know, trying. And um, I'd say um, in college uh, being shepherded by uh, an intervarsity staff member, which is a kind of a group in college and um, really began to speak over me and, uh, and really encouraged me to connect to the local church and, Meeting Lindsay, it was just a good thing he did as a good boyfriend and a good Christian. Mm-hmm. So we started trying out churches in the Raleigh area. Um, I went to NC State. And um, and I remember, <clears throat> I've thought back on this quite a bit because I agree with uh, Martin Luther. He says that uh, we're converted to three things. Uh, so we're first of all, we're converted to Christ. Uh, but then we're converted to his church. And we're also converted to his mission. So there's like a surrendering and a giving up. And uh, at this church in Raleigh, um, I witnessed a couple that mentored me and Lindsay when we were preparing to be married. Yeah. Um, we helped lead worship and seeing God's people set on fire and seeing life change. Um, I drove the church van uh, to get people to church and then begin to see people that um, I knew and helped get to church being baptized um, I kind of got it. That's where my conversion 
to community, uh, not trying to do this thing as a Lone Ranger. Um, that's where it kind of came came to fruition. And then we fast forward a couple of years, we moved back to Hickory, North Carolina, where Christ Church is, and we're two high school math teachers. So um, fun people, I like to tell everyone. <laughs> uh, Lindsay and I talk about calculus over dinner. It's wonderful. But we came to Christ Church because we knew two people whose lives were impacted there, so we thought we'd try it out. Soon after leading the life group, um, began to see fruit uh, there, and um, Christ Church took a chance on me and hired me as a life group pastor, overseeing life groups everywhere. And um, if we kind of fast forward a little bit, um, while on staff, you know, when you're on a Christian on staff, you're supposed to have it all together in that yeah. kind of rule. <laughs> yes. Well, I was a wreck. Um, I started having anxiety attacks, um, just completely broken, mm. uh, wondering if I would ever like function again, um, like, you know, drive a car, shower, those kind of things. Yes. Um, and, um, and just totally didn't have it together. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, hi, my name is Chip and I'm a mess. Um, and, uh, I'm on church staff, but I'm a mess, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, through counseling, um, tried medicine, but it was horrible. Um, and, uh, the most powerful thing that I did was actually lean on my conversion to Christ and the promises of God, but also my conversion to community. And I began to share while I was in the midst of it. Instead of keeping it in the dark, I brought it into the light. Yeah. Um, and uh, during this long battle, desperate prayers, I wish I could tell you uh, maybe a little bit more, but I heard God tell me to pursue and I didn't know what it was, but this opportunity presented itself, which made no sense at all. Um, and it was to enroll in this master's of missional leadership program in Seattle. So one year, non-cross-country flights while having anxiety attacks. Um, mm. A lot of work, um, a lot of money that we didn't have. We just had our second child. He was a, a baby at the time, uh, sleeping on some guy's couch out there when I arrived. Um, but my wife and God, they just said go. So so I went. Um, and th this is where I feel like a lot of the third conversion uh, that Martin Luther talks about came about because um, I felt like, set on fire for mission. You yeah. Know? Like I'll go wherever you say go. Um, so much so that, um, you know, Lindsay and I, uh, even with a young family and had our first home and everything's like cozy. And, and we were, you know, uh, I brought her out to Seattle, the most unchurched city in America and seeing God work there. And, uh, I was, uh, uh, we put our house on the market and said, God send us where you want to send us thinking he'd send us who knows where, but yeah. Uh, but any, anyways, I got a call to pastor Christ church. So he sent us to Statesville, <laughs> <laughs> the, the booming metropolis of Statesville. I've been here seven years now. Um, uh, I know precisely it's where, uh, God has called me to be, where God has planted me. Um, it's been rewarding. Uh, it's been painful. Um, it's been, you know, routine at times and then a pandemic hits and nothing yeah. is normal again. Uh, yeah. A lot of my greatest joys have been here and uh, as well as some scars for sure. Cause that's a, that's a part of community, but that's a, that's basically how I got here as far as being a pastor at Christ church. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, as you hit on, like it's definitely hard to be in a leadership role and not know what to do with anxiety or mm -hmm 
depression or panic, um, kind of that, that feeling that, uh, you don't really have anyone to talk to. And that's something that I hope we have time to come back to sure. uh, before this is over. But, uh, I want to bring up one thing that when I was going to Christchurch stood out to me so much. Um, there's a coffee shop in the area that is closed now. It's a shame. Um, such a shame, but, uh, it was like, anytime that you go to this coffee shop, you're going to know someone else there. Um, as far as somebody else who works in a church or a pastor, it was kind of like where all the different pastors would just meet up. Um, so anytime I was like, I need encouragement, I would just go to this coffee shop and just find somebody. You would be there a lot or um, many other local pastors or people would just be there. That would be uh, great to talk to. Yeah, I remember coffee. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Or an office. Yeah. Um, I whether me and you plan to meet here this day or we just did and started talking. I don't remember, but me and you were talking there, and uh, I don't know what started this. So if you have any insight on that, I don't. I don't know what we were talking about before you 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 said this, but you told me that you, that you could tell, um, by the calling that I had on, on my life that I wouldn't be at Christ church forever. And that you wanted to know how you could pour into me during the time that I was there. And, uh, I just remember thinking, um, I don't even know how I answered you at that time, but I just remember thinking every time I think back on that, is that, um, you know, most people that I talk to now and even some of my own church background, it's like, that's not the way pastors treated the people in the church. It was doing and saying whatever they could do to get someone to stay in the church other than, um, you know, being honest and being like, Hey, uh, your calling's probably not going to take place here, but what can I do to help? prepare you for what God has for you next. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of dive into, um, I guess your mindset and your heart in the way that you shepherd the people in your church and the way that you choose to, to lead them without, I guess, making them feel stuck, or at least that's the way that I saw it. Like I didn't feel like, whenever I took the job at the church that I'm at now, um, I didn't feel like me telling you that was going to be an awkward thing. I kind of felt like it was like, Hey, like this is something that we can like celebrate um, is that I'm doing the thing that we talked about doing and not, uh, so I'm probably not going to be playing on the praise team anymore. Um, (laughs) Like it's not awkward. It was kind of like chip understands. And like, this is what chip knew was going to happen doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt any less because yeah, for sure. you're a stud, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, I didn't mean it for me. <laughs> we haven't had a better looking bass player since if we're being <laughs> not watching this, but, um, but, uh, FYI, just so you know, I've got uh mountain t-shirt on. Uh, Very nice. Yeah. It was Which, actually by accident, but I was like, Oh, man. for uh, those uh, who may not know mountains and the seas was the worship band I was in and 
I think most of us in Mountains and the Seas became like the the praise team at Christchurch. At least four of us. And Eli was like Christchurch's worship leader. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, just kind of surveying uh, people. Um, I, I'm really not joking and being serious when I say this, but uh, Josh, you're like a unicorn uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, I mean that in that, like, you know, you're, you're a young guy and obviously we're looking back. So even younger than now and um, sold out for Christ um, doing ministry, no matter what it takes, uh, serving people, leading people and um, easy reactions for pastors. Um, and I'm imperfect. I, I totally have to fight these things. Um, but uh, some easy reactions for pastors is to feel threatened um, when someone is just sold out and, and fruitful uh, is to take like a King Saul approach where yeah. you're just like, all right, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I need to be the one everybody's looking at. I need yes. to be number one in this church. Um, and so it's easy for pastors to feel threatened. Um, and another thing that happens is that it's easy to feel, um, uh, ambition, you know, Philippians two, it talks about, you put away vain conceit where you push other people down. Like when you feel threatened, uh, and you also put away selfish ambition where you use people to build your ministry up, um, to build your profile up, um, to brag about, yeah. um, to like, and you, and we see this and it's, it's difficult. I, I don't think churches necessarily make people burn out, even though we see burnout because, because you're an individual, you know, with a choice. So, um, but, uh, but there are leaders who will burn you out in a hot second for sure so that they can look good doing it. Um, and, um, I guess what's impacted me over, over time is experiencing mentoring and, and shepherding. I call it shepherd leadership. It's like the most, it's the most, um, common term used in connection to leadership throughout the entire scriptures. Yeah. Um, it's, um, um, it's shepherding. That's, that's how we learn how to lead within, uh, God's flock. Um, so I've experienced that, uh, older, younger people coming alongside of me and lifting my hand in the air when I have some sort of, uh, success or some yeah. sort of, um, fruit that, that comes from my life. And somebody that does that has to be comfortable in who they are in the Lord. Um, we've got to be, um, comfortable saying i see um i I wish i wish saul would have said this i see the king in you yeah you know like Like how powerful would that have been yeah yeah um but comfortable enough to say like i I see i see the king in you um and i'm going to do everything i can to call that out of you yeah Uh, and i'm going to publicly lift my hand up with your hand and i'm going to celebrate everything about you um i've had people do that um yeah in my life and um and I do that tremendously imperfectly. Like I overlook the king and many people, um, you know, and it comes from being a part of a church. And this is something you need to know about the dynamic within a local church. A pastor, like sociologically, a pastor cannot handle it yeah. above 50 or 60 people. Yeah. Um, like he or she cannot be a shepherd yeah. really, to, to every individual. Um, and so I know there've been folks through the cracks. I know like, like I've struggled um, and I've failed in, in a lot of ways in this, but um, here's um, this is something 
I wish I, I meant to look it up. I wish I could remember this book of shepherd leadership. I pulled this from, I might share it with you later, Josh, but, yeah. um, but these four words have always stuck out with me when it comes to leading people in the church and it's no feed, lead and protect. It's, um, I think it's Tim Whitmer, I think was his name, but I can't remember the name of the book, but to know, feed, lead, and protect. Um, that's so easy for me to remember. It's stuck yeah. with me for over a decade now. That's good. That, that I, need to, I need to know. Like, I need to know the flock. Like, I need to inspect them. Like, I, I need um, to be like the heart of Jesus where he says, the sheep, they hear my voice. I know them, and then they follow. Yeah. Um, so who, who's God made you to be? What's he called you to? Listen to them. Uh, pray for them, ask God for insight, watch them serve, watch them lead, just know them, you know? Um, and then feed is, um, um, I think of Ezekiel 34. It's one of my favorite, um, old Testament scriptures because it reveals God's heart. Um, but my servant David who will feed them and be a shepherd to them. Um, and, uh, so, feed them is like pouring in affirmation, pouring in encouragement, um, speaking words of knowledge, um, uh, pouring in God's word, uh, sharing good books, you know, it's like yeah. feeding them. Um, leading is, um, think of Psalm 23. So, um, Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He leads me to green pastures. Um, he, um, he leads me, uh, along the right paths, um, so there's a sense of, of mentoring and guiding and, and leading, um, and then protecting the shepherd has a rod too. Yeah. And I try not to whack people with it too much, but, um, but the, there's a rod, uh, but it comforts and protects the sheep because they know, uh, Jesus says, I'll lay my life down for the sheep, like a yeah. good shepherd. And not, I'm not a hireling who's going to use you, um, but I'm going to hold you accountable. Uh, I'm going to protect you from wolves and false teachings and, um, and so I, I do believe there's shepherds out there in the church, a lot of imperfect shepherds out there, um, all over the place, um, that I do think that, um, when you find a true shepherd, um, who has that kind of heart, um, they're not calling attention to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're out there, um, they're kind of off the beaten path, laying under the stars, uh, at night doing the unseen difficult things. Um, and they're out there, but, um, man, I appreciate that. That moment meant a lot to you. I do think yeah, it was more definitely. kind of impromptu, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. it's funny when God brings questions to your mind, you know, a lot of the most profound things Jesus did was ask questions. And so it's yeah, interesting when you hear it just kind of brings a question and it bubbles up and it's precisely what somebody needs when they need it. Yeah. And it's cool that I've, that, that question that 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 you asked taught me a lot about handling people and like how to deal with people. And like I said, I have no clue how I answered that question. I have no clue what we were talking about before that. I don't feel like anything else in that whole talk probably probably stood out to me. Right. But that question. But um, I've I've used that 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 question for multiple things whether it's our church or people that i meet while touring with outward stuff like just the idea that like although we may not be doing ministry together you know as as far as partnering up we're still doing ministry together and like how can we help each other and not 
feel like competition because that's one of the things that I think is insane when you can't get churches to work together because there's that sense of competition. Um, Pastor Gene called it sheep swapping. He said pastors were scared of that. (laughs) And uh, just like that idea of like, you know, we're not trying to like take people from your church. If we ask to like do a community event together, but like, I don't know. It's hard to get, it's hard to get churches to like see that, or it's hard to get some churches to like see that and like want to partner with that because they're so scared of just hanging on to what's in their building that they don't want to let go of any of that. So it's cool to see like, I don't know. It just really encouraged me to see a pastor that was, you know, just very open to, um, partnering with other ministries and encouraging other churches and not, uh, you know, as you talked about with King Saul, not trying to tear down the competition, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, I, uh, speaking of questions, a question that I, this is in my own personal time. I hadn't really shared this with a lot of people, but it's, um, when's the last time you've attended uh, a ministry opportunity or outreach or, or whatever event that you didn't organize? Yeah. Um, and, uh, cause, um, it's not malicious and, and not often out of competition, although that can certainly be creeping up in your flesh. Yeah. Um, but it's like, a lot of times it's just, you're like straight up busy in your bubble. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. but to have that question kind of shatter your bubble occasionally is a health. Uh, when have you humbly attended something you didn't, uh, come up with or organize or, yeah. you know, what and I mean? then when you're there not having the, Oh, I could do this better. Like, yeah, right. Same yeah. thing with if you play m- music and you go to a, a concert, sometimes it's hard to just enjoy the, the concert because you're breaking apart every detail about how either you're thought of, man, they're so much better than me, or man, I could do this way better than them. Um, right. It's hard to not do that in like a church atmosphere as well and not go in and like pick it apart and think like, what would I do other than just going in and asking God, like, well, what are you speaking to me through this? And hmm. like you said, just being humble and uh, letting our arrogance go. <laughs> there it is. Um, so when I used to listen to you preach twice a week, every week, <laughs> um, you said a lot and I might destroy this quote. So feel free to correct me when I'm done, but you said something along the lines of the local church is God's plan to reach the world. And there is no plan B Um, might not have been those exact words, but something along those lines. Uh, I'm just curious to hear more of your thought on like the calling of the, of the local church and why it's so important to be, involved in one yeah i appreciate you answering and uh yeah that's pretty much the quote and there's a lot of um maybe even among our listeners right now there's a lot of yeah buts uh you know that kind of creep up when yeah say something you know that definitive like it's almost controversial and you know we can get into like the you know there's the institutional church and then there's the church everybody's like the church is the people everybody's gonna say pandemic and it's i mean it's absolutely true um but I think the way we understand church in 21st century America is radically different 
than the ethos of the scriptures. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we want to be, so we say the church, we say, well, I am an island unto my own and unless on my terms, it's not that way. And I'm going to be radically individual. I'll be sold out to Christ and therefore I'm part of the church. Um, and so there's, there's kind of different understandings when you hear that. Um, but, um, uh, Carl Barth, he, uh, I pulled this quote cause I've always liked it, but, uh, he says that the church exists to set up in the world, a new invisible sign, uh, which is radically dissimilar to the world's own manner and which contradicts it in a way which is full of promise. So, um, so it's visible, like there's a, a visible sign in the world. It's, it's really kind of the heart of God. I, I want to rescue my people from slavery yeah. so uh, they can worship me on this mountain. And, um, and he gave, you know, the commandments on the mountain. He set up a people um, and this people is like a signpost to the world is fulfill the promise of Abraham, right? Like I'm going to bless the world through this people. They're going to be a sign that contradicts the rest of the world, but does so in a way where it gives a promise of God. Um, and um, that's been God's plan from the beginning, you know, like you look yeah. at Adam and Eve, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Why? So you can build a family. Uh, why, why do you need to build a family to tend to God's world, to operate with God's authority in God's world? Um, so, you know, be fruitful, multiply Abraham, you know, through your, through your family, I'm going to make a people. I'm going to make a family that is going to bless all the nations. Um, we see, um, you know, in the old Testament, they, they had, um, they ended up with a nation state, um, and it failed. <laughs> they did not stand apart. You know, yeah. they, they forgot the poor and they forgot the vulnerable. And God said, your worship stinks to me. Yeah. Um, and they ripped away to Babylon. Um, but even then the prophets are speaking of a last day when the spirit is poured out, not just on a specific individual for a specific purpose, but the spirits poured out on, on, on all people, sons and daughters, young and yeah. old. Um, and, uh, and they're speaking of that day. So we see, uh, Jesus's heart in, in John 17, um, incredible, right? Like he, he's dying and this is his prayer and he's like, make them one. Yeah, you know, not not a collection of individuals, but like make them one, so that they can know that you and I, my Father, are one. Uh, they can see the Trinity, like the full, the fullness of God, like yeah. the Godhead, uh, by their oneness. Um, and uh, and then when the the Spirit's poured out, um, and the church is birthed uh, in Acts, um, once again, it's poured out on a diverse people who would never get along. <laughs> Yeah. not for the spirit of God or even understand each other. Definitely, you know? yes. I mean, they're just so, so diverse. And um, uh, I heard uh, Ed Stetzer, he's not the original person to say this, but he's who I remember saying this, that it's not so much that the church has a mission statement, but that the mission of God, the Missio Dei has a church. Yeah. So it's the mission has a church to accomplish his purposes in the world. Um, the church has to be alive in the spirit right? It vivifies the church. Yes. Um, and, and it has to carry the gospel, you know, and when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he said, the gospel is going forth and bearing fruit wherever it goes. Like it's the thing that's bearing fruit in and of itself, this, this good news that we're heralding. So, so I'm not saying like, 
the church structure from 11 to 12 o'clock, you know, on Sunday mornings, like yeah. is the hope of the world is, yeah. it, it, it's not less than that, but it's a lot more than that. For um, sure. For sure. I think spirit. that's where like people like me, when I first started hearing that I came in with a lot of like, you're very typical saying typical not to downplay how like honest it is and how it actually hurts, but it's just something a lot of people go through. So very typical uh, church hurt. So I was very much one of those. Yeah. But like, yeah, I think I could just do church, you know, in my house with three other people. Like I don't need all of this, but like hearing you explain it that way and like just learning your heart on that topic, like over the, the few years I was there was just uh, very life changing f- for me as the way that I viewed, like just the importance of being a part of the body. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a pastor I respect in Austin. He wrote a book called gospel centered discipleship. It's a really good book. And um, he mentioned, um, uh, you know, this isn't like 100% theologically correct kind of thing, but he mentioned bobblehead Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but I don't uh, think so. Christ is the head of his body, the church. Um, and so Christ is the head. And uh, you cannot diminish anything from Christ. You know, yeah. he is vindicated, he is risen, he sits at the right hand of the Father. Um, but he was lamenting, really, that the body uh, can be atrophied. Um, like ligaments refusing to be bound together with other ligaments. Yeah. Uh, Muscles completely unused because they're unconnected from the rest of the body. So they can't be used like a collection of organs. It's just a miracle. You know, the body's even alive because they refuse to be bound together in one cohesive um, piece. Um, And how we, how we kind of like, we try to come to church on our own terms and to be straight up real. Um, I've, I said it early on, I don't know if you called it, that some of my greatest joys and my greatest scars yes. have come within a church um, structure, but to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ ahead yeah, and to join ourselves to the body, some of which we would never, we would never choose. Yeah. We, we just like lay down the control and then to make it worse, this is a key uh, part of what I believe the church to be. Like we practice radical hospitality to the stranger yeah um which means the body strengthens and grows with people i mean you don't know them you can't control who this is because it's the stranger you know um so to lay down the control of like i'll have community on my terms you yeah. know when i'm bailing when i want to bail um that's not that's not god's intention yeah. you know, the, the entire new testament is written to a local church <laughs> like every yeah. letter was written to a local church um the the vision at the end of all this is you are my people and I'm your God. And there's a multitude around the throne. And um, there is a, an urging not to forsake the gathering, especially as the day of the Lord draws near um, in Hebrews. Um, there's just a, a fear that, that we're caught up in a, a cultural current um, and the church has made it easy yeah. to be caught up in the cultural current of individualism. Um, but it is not a faith that's expressed in the scriptures. True. One of the other topics that I really like to hear from different pastors is, um, and this goes hand in hand with what you were talking about, about some of your greatest scars coming from that as well, 
you see a, a lot of pastors that go all in really quick and they constantly pour out and pour out and pour out and then they burn out or um, you hear it all the time. Some, you know, big, big name pastor is caught in a financial scandal or a, you know, cheating on um, his wife or uh, that kind of thing. And um, what, what precautions do you take to uh, avoid experiencing burnout? Um, I can say from my own point of view, it's been like very trial and error and like still trying to find that routine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you're right about the trial and error thing. And I think what's something that we all need to come to terms with is um, how we serve and operate out of need. Yeah. Rather than out of fullness. And um, like for me, uh, I was an only child growing up. I got approval whenever I wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> I was it. So I was the best kid because I was the only kid. And, um, and so approval wasn't so hard to come by for me. And I had loving parents, you know, and, um, and they weren't trying to set me up for this, but uh, kind of growing older and finding an identity outside of the home, like approval was just something that was supposed to happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm just supposed to get that because I've always gotten that, you know, it, it formed in me some, some very much people pleasing tendencies. And uh, the inability to say no, because wanting to please people can make you a workaholic and it can make you an anxious wreck. And it's done both of those things to me. Um, Real talk. My wife is awesome at calling this out, uh, which is literally life-giving. Yes. And how we're better together. But um, I could plan my whole week. Uh, This is my term that I I like to use. Uh, I don't know if it's original to me, but with impression management rather than time management. Yeah. Um, when I'm planning out my schedule. So who do I need to impress and please this week rather than what's the Lord calling me to and how am I going to structure my week? So um, I think first of all, just like being aware of those tendencies, what drives you to operate out of need. Yeah. Um, before we get into the rhythms, like that's, that's, that was critical for me. And it was um, my anxiety was fear-based Uh and so, so medication wasn't necessary for me in the long run. Um, and, uh, and so I had to find that fear, you know, and I had to start pulling it up by the roots over a long period of time, by all means necessary, uh, prayer and counseling and community and scripture. And so, um, so for number one, that's one way of, I, I, I honestly, I honestly believe if I had not gone through the valley of panic attacks, before pastoring that I may have been chewed up and spit out already. Yeah. Um, I really do. If I hadn't had to face that, I I do know um, from being close now from being a pastor seven years, like that's all that long, I guess, but uh, and being around other pastors um, and seeing some really heartbreaking uh, burnouts and, and moral failures. um, I do believe that all of it comes down because a lot of people say, how could a pastor do fill in the blank? Yeah. And the how could for me um, is, is a tap out. Like the pressure got too much and they couldn't in good conscience step away on their own volition. So they make a way for others to force them out. Yeah. 
um, they just can't handle it anymore. And the, the pressure is too much. And so literally like a moral failure is, is honestly a way in their mind of freedom to get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've and, never uh, thought of that, but that makes so much sense. Like one even if, even if they're not doing that, like, like if you were to ask them, like, is this why they would probably tell you no, but like somewhere in there, like that just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's, that's from being close to a couple situations. And, um, that's, you know, as I'm not speaking with great authority on that, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I've perceived it and, um, but so that's the number one thing, but I mean, God in all of his infinite wisdom to those of you who have had that conversion to, to community slash church or conversion to mission, I think in the spirit of humility, that word keeps coming up. Um, we've got to understand that the giver of the mission knows how to accomplish the mission better than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the giver of the mission, uh, he created all that is and then rested on the seventh day. If he believes that that's essential to who he's created you to be in the mission he's called you to, then you are completely rebellious to avoid Sabbath and saying, I know how to do your mission better than you do God. Like I, I know how to do it better than you do. And, and that's uh, the part that's trial and error for me is like figuring out <laughs> what day that is. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. I think um, I want to try not to go down this rabbit hole, but I do think that uh, Sunday uh, is tremendously value valuable in our worship because it's a proclamation. You know, the Sabbath used to be, Saturday, but now because of the the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the beginning of a new era in human history with the risen Christ, like we, we declare resurrection every time we gather on Sunday. So I think like, I think the worship on Sunday, and I'm not saying that you're in sin if you're worshiping on Saturday night or whatever, I'm not saying that at all, but there's a proclamation to the world by worshiping on Sunday. But, um, but as far as Sabbath, like for me, 3 PM Friday to 3 PM Saturday, typically, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it shifts two hours back. Um, sometimes there's just a, just this, um, I, I'm a campus pastor, so I have a lead pastor and sometimes there's an obligation uh, for that week and I have to plan ahead and shift that time of, of, of rest and uh, rejuvenation. So you count when you're held accountable. So you have, yes. to have somebody uh, holding you accountable. And um, I have that structurally. Not everybody does. Yeah. Um, so I'm part of a denomination. I go before a district board of ordained ministers every year and interview for my job all over again. <laughs> so in my fit for, <laughs> for ministry, yes, the only time of year I wear a suit. Um, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so, um, so I take that even though sometimes I don't always enjoy it. Uh, yeah. I take that as the, my, my role in this mission must count. You're right. Yeah. I mean, cause they want to make sure that I'm fit for ministry and yeah. I have other campus pastors I meet with uh, multiple times a week and I'm rubbing shoulder to shoulder yeah. with other pastors who do the very same role that I do. Um, and, uh, and they, you know, they hold, they hold you accountable and there's, we all know it. there's little things that you can do um, as far as like taking time off, like off, off yes, and putting screen limits on your phone and yes. like going to counseling as needed. I mean, there's all those, we all know those things. But unless we're in tune with us operating out of our own need, and unless we have somebody holding us accountable, uh, we'll still, even though we know it, we won't faithfully obey it. Yeah. We'll just rebel against it. I remember, I can't remember if you told me this or if you told somebody else this and they told me this, 
but um, on this topic, uh, I was talking to somebody, maybe you, about how obviously, like, as you just said, Sundays are awesome. Sundays are, you know, awesome. But for us, that'll never be the day that we just get to, like, soak it in and just recharge. That's the day that we pour out. Um, And I remember you talking about accountability. And at least at that time, you told me or, uh, yeah, you you said that you met with your uh, accountability partner Mondays, first thing. Because as for pastors, and I mean, I've only been doing this for a very short time now, but I fully agree. Like that's when the enemy is going to attack. Like even for me, like Sunday evening, Sunday afternoons, like I'll find myself getting grumpy or irritable just because like I've already poured out everything. And like, I just need to take time to, you know, let God pour into me. Um, But definitely if that goes unchecked, that's when that'll lead to making bad choices or treating people out of spite um, or letting yourself get angry about things that you're not called to be angry about. Um, So that's something else that that you've said that really stood out is making sure you start off your, you know, post-church week with that before jumping back into handling people and talking to people and meeting with people and planning for next Sunday, like start off with accountability. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, yeah. So there is a check-in on Monday morning because I'm just setting my weakest and most vulnerable really. Yeah. Um, like I said, after being poured out, um, I don't think this is exactly what Jesus meant, but I think about it this way. Uh, when he talked about casting out demons and, uh, and it's, when it's empty, like the enemy wants to come back with friends and fill yeah. it up. What's empty, yeah. fill it up. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it has to be filled with the spirit of God. Like it has yes. to be filled with his presence or else the enemy sees a void to fill. And um, I, I know that's not exactly what he meant as far as applying to the situation, but, but I do think about it that way. Like you've For got sure. to have a time where you're not operating on empty and you've got to be like recharged and filled up. Um, after you pour everything out. Definitely. And that's something that I know for me, it's hard sometimes um, more so when I'm like touring and like traveling, it's hard to like take that time to just turn everything off and just be with, with God. But I know um, to kind of speak to like other pastors or people who are working in churches that like find themselves struggling with those people pleasing tendencies. Like one of the biggest things that I've had to learn over the past year, year and a half is like, I can't do anything for anyone else if I don't take care of me. Yeah. And like, um, my old thought, I guess, um, whether you would want to call it like, uh, a religious thought or if I was just like thinking out of like obligation or what I had to do, like taking care of me seemed like selfishness. Wow. Yeah. But actually like learning that I can't do any, anything else if I don't take care of me. Um, it's been very humbling. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, the enemy wants you to think that's selfish, doesn't it? Exactly. Because you're, you're susceptible at that point. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, kind of on an uh, ending note here, uh, if there's anybody listening to this podcast and uh, they find themselves like struggling with the idea of going to church or they're having trouble finding a church. Um, I know I've definitely been there in the, uh, the thought of like, like I don't need to go to a church to be the church. And then you'll find ways to justify that, whether it's, well, I'm still taking in preaching because I go online and uh, listen to pastor whoever. Um, so I'm still, you know, taking in all the stuff that I would take in at church. So I don't need to go or um, just been hurt by the church so bad that you feel like you never want to step foot in there again. Um, I hear that a lot of like, I love Jesus, but I will never go to church again. And uh, so I just want to give you a um, opportunity to kind of speak into that. I know I just said, a lot of things. So just <laughs> yeah. pick the part that you want to speak into. <laughs> sure. I'll start with this because it's this where we've been in our community. Uh, we're preaching about freedom and the nature of freedom and the things that put us in bondage. And um, I have met people who have come through um, our church doors and some of which have even integrated into our community. Um, and I have no idea how they had the courage to walk back into a church yeah. Like they're like a hero to me. Yeah. <laughs> like how, um, after, um, what you've experienced and what's, um, you know, how you've been sinned against, um, like I'm getting teary eyed thinking about it. Like that's a, a remarkable, some people say it's dumb, but yeah. I think it's a remarkable act of courage. Yeah. Um, that's good. I'll, I'll say that with churches, you won't find a perfect one. So don't wait on that. Mm-hmm. However, if there is evil within the leadership of the church, run. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, there, there have been wolves um, inside the flock. That has happened. Some of you have encountered that. Um, so you want to practice discernment. But once you've practiced discernment, don't look for perfection. Um, you, look, you look for people who are ready to be perfected, uh, who know they're in process. Um, don't look for a perfect one because you're going to find out soon that it's not perfect. Um, but I just, I go back to, um, to Jesus's heart and, um, I'm an old married man and Josh, you are too now. Uh, (laughs) and, um, and like nothing like pricks my heart, like speaking about my wife and, um, my bride and, um, and to see the church through, and not through Western individualistic collection of individuals all scattered around. Uh, that's not, that's not what, that's just honestly not what's being talked about um, yeah. in the scripture. Uh, but when I, I see the way that God sees the church, his bride, um, if I try to look at it through his lens, I see like Ephesians five, uh, Christ loved the church, yeah. gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her. That's an ongoing process by the washing with water and through the word uh, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And I think about um, just the great lengths that he's gone. Like, you know, like she's been promiscuous at heart, Mm -hmm. uh, seduced by power, 
and we're in the political season. Let's just go ahead and name it, right? Seduced by um, by all kinds of ideologies and yep. idolatry, um, and um, but yet, like he won't give up on her, and he won't stop seeking her out, restoring her, bringing her back. And I just I, I believe that I believe that cynicism and critique. Um, so cynicism's never warranted. Critique is sometimes warranted, mm-hmm. but it's also tremendously easier to critique from a distance than to be involved in the restoration. That's good. Uh, it's messier. It's harder. Um, it'll bring you to tears. You'll get cut. <laughs> like you, you, you may get, uh, you, you'll be bumped into. Um, but, uh, but the quickest way to revival is first personal and then corporate repentance. Um, yeah, definitely. The quickest way in my estimation um, is humbly like serving within the body. Um, and that's when I experienced conversion. I never understood it until I drove that church van. Yeah. And it's just an ordinary, ridiculously menial task. Anybody can drive. Uh, almost anybody can drive if you're of age and, you know, if they don't have any limitations on that. But like, but yet, like serving the stranger who will never who will never pay me back, and serving yeah. a stranger for the glory of God, like it changed my heart. So, so my, um, I mean, really, it's just it's as simple as practice discernment, uh, but don't hold the church to a standard um, before joining it that you wouldn't want to be put on you before attending. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like we, you know, we <laughs> we have been lazy and apathetic. We have, I, I've I've seen the the climate on social media. We have put our hope, and we've had idolatry with pol- political whatever this or that. Yeah. Like, like we have been prideful. We have wounded other people. Like we we have all done these things. Yes, um, for sure. And we are not unforgivable and irreconcilable. Um, and God doesn't see you that way. And he sure doesn't see his bride that way. Um, so there's the, the invitations to the difficult path. It's just yeah. it's so much harder to reform and restore than it is to kind of create our box and stay over here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. That's something that we talk about a lot too, is like very rarely are we called to do the easy thing. Like it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Um, doing life with other people isn't easy, but it is beautiful. Definitely encouraged in that. Um, Thank you for coming on today. It's been a lot of fun to get to talk with you. Really has. Enjoyed it. Thank you for being on here. And uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. And uh, we hope and pray that you got encouragement out of this and um, whatever God wanted to speak to you through this. We hope that you were open to receiving that.